0: What's up, Upper Room Podcast family? This is Jehoshaphat, and I love you guys so much. Thanks for tuning in. Guys, this weekend's sermon is from our very own founder, our senior leader, Michael Miller. This has been a core message to his heart, but also a core revelation that God has walked him through, the importance of saying thank you. So this weekend's sermon is titled, Why Say Thank You? Michael speaks about Romans chapter one, as well as the book of Revelations, what it says, God is surrounded by on the throne is thanksgiving the reason why we bring him honor, the reason why we bring him thanks, it's so important. Stay tuned. It's awesome. This is definitely a heart check. This is definitely such a basic foundation thing in the Christian life that we all need to be reminded of, but also live out. Stay tuned. We love you guys. Excited. Hey, I want to make you aware of, I want to make you aware of a couple of things. Um, there's a door up here that I'll explain in just a second. <laughs> I think this is the first time we've ever used a prop on a Sunday morning, so pray for me. We'll see how this goes. Um, hey, f- uh, February 27th, Lou Engle's gonna be with us. Uh, Lou, it's a Tuesday night, and I heard it's just for women only. So it's a women's night. Uh, Javanna and team um, are organizing with Lou and his team. Uh, uh, a night just to hear what God has put in Lou's heart for women in our nation. He's gathering women at the mall uh, this fall, and so this will be an event where you can hear about that. And we're partnering with Lou, and uh, we just love Papa Lou and all that he's leading out. Uh, so that is February 27th, 6:30. Uh, come here, and yes, um, if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Luke 17, and I. I was going to kind of put a bow on the women's series uh, this morning, and I pivoted on Friday because I realized that I actually have a whole other series in regards to marriage and church government. And so uh, towards the end of March, early April, I will uh, revisit that topic. It has been so encouraging just to hear the testimonies from women specifically um, that have really received identity from this teaching and series the last couple of weeks. So uh, we're gonna push pause on that. And today, I wanted to share a message that's been, it's been in my heart. I didn't know what weekend I was gonna share it, but it is this weekend. And it is a core value that we have here at The Upper Room. It is so foundational uh, for us as a house. Um, And this revelation, it, it seems so simple that you're gonna wanna check out. Meaning, I know this teaching. I know this revelation. Uh, but this is something we can't graduate from. You know, simple is not easy. It's hard to keep things simple. It's hard to keep life simple. Life is complicated, and so to keep things simple is the goal for the believer. Um, your life in Jesus needs to be simple, it needs to be pure, and it needs to be devoted to one man. Yeah. And, uh, and so this, this revelation has really set uh, the environment, the culture of the upper room, and I wanna, I wanna present this to us. Uh, hopefully the Lord will just breathe fresh life into it for you personally, and then for us collectively and corporately, uh, because it's something we do multiple times a day. It's something that we have established our culture upon. And we use this phrase, ministering to the Lord. Uh, we minister to the Lord morning, noon, and night. We have built a, a, a church that isn't first for people, it's first for the Lord. It's a resting place for Him. And we tend to him, we minister to him. We do that through corporate prayer, prayers and means to a man. And we love to love on him. We start tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. There's a set that's been going for a decade now and they minister to Jesus. And right after that set at 8 a.m. another group gets up here and they begin to sing and they begin to minister to Jesus. And then at 9 a.m., guess what? Someone gets up here and they begin to sing and they begin to minister to Jesus. And we do that all day throughout the week. It has just been such a priority for us, and we were cornered into uh, this vision. We, we launched in Oak Lawn, which has the, the, the crow flies. It's about a mile from here. It is not a place I would have chosen to plant the upper room, and the Lord first cornered me. And, uh, and a revelation in that neighborhood uh, was Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 was, was, was brought to my attention quite a bit uh, just because it was the homosexual uh, area. And, and I was being known as this guy that had kind of cracked the code in, in that demographic because we had planted a church and it was taking root. And so I spent a lot of time praying and reading and praying and reading through Romans chapter one. And I found, I found this key in Romans chapter one. And, and it has been, again, the, the, the revelation that has set such a foundation for us. But in Revelation chapter one, I know I said, go to Luke 17. We'll get there here in just a second. Uh, Hop over to Revelation one. And we'll start in verse 18. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Romans, what did I say? Revelation, sorry. (laughs) Romans chapter one. Revelation (laughs) one is good too, but uh, Romans one. Romans chapter one, verse 18. through what has been made. So this is just saying creation reveals God. And it's verse 21. Verse 21. It says, for even though they knew God. How many of you know God this morning? You can say, I, I fit into that category. I, oh man, I may need to preach another sermon. <laughs> How many of you know God this morning? Raise your hand. Okay, so we fit, we fit into this verse. For even though they knew God. For even though they knew God. They did not honor him, but there's a primary way that they did not honor him. They did not honor him or give thanks. And because they did not honor him or give thanks, even though they knew him, they became futile, they became foolish, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They professed to be wise, but they became fools. And from this verse, hold on, go back 121. From this verse, from this verse, from Romans chapter one, verse 21, there's another 12, 11 verses. It's 32 verses in Romans chapter one. So from Romans one twenty-one onward, look at what Paul describes. Because they did not do this activity, look at what Paul describes happened. I'm not gonna read it all, but I'm gonna show you what he lists. If you have that list, you can put that up. But this is what ensued. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give him thanks. They became futile in their reasoning. Their senseless hearts were darkened. And look at this. They became futile in their mind, foolish in their heart. Lust consumed them. Their body was dishonored. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped the created instead of the creator. They became twisted in their passions and desires. Homosexuality is mentioned in this text. Full of every kind of wickedness, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, Malicious behavior, gossip, backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. And then Paul in this one, he says, they invent new ways of sinning. Paul's just like, if I have not covered it, if I have not covered it, I'm gonna cover it with this one. So they invent new ways of sinning. They disobey their parents, refuse to understand, break their promises, heartless, and they have no mercy. All of this ensued because of Romans chapter one, verse 21. They did not honor him and they did not give him thanks. And so back in the day in 2010, when we were in this empty room and it wasn't full, and I'm reading Romans chapter 1, verse 21, I felt like the Lord said, why don't you return to the place where they neglected to honor me and give me thanks. And I want you to build a community in Oak Lawn that's marked by Thanksgiving. I want you to build a community it's marked by honoring me, but the primary way you're gonna honor me is by giving me thanks. And what I saw is I saw Thanksgiving as a little hinge. Aren't you grateful for hinges? None of y'all thought of the hinges today, but because there's hinges on these doors, you could enter in to this room this morning. A little hinge, it seems insignificant, but a door without a hinge is a wall. And the same is true of your heart. Thanksgiving is the little hinge and it opens up the door and it's not the door to heaven, it's not the door, like I know Jesus is the door, but I want you to see this as your heart. And Thanksgiving actually opens your heart before the Lord. Psalms 95 verse two, it says, we come before his holy presence with thanksgiving. Psalms 100, it says, we enter the gates with what? Thanksgiving. Meaning anytime you're going to approach the Lord, anytime you're going to approach the Lord, I wanna present this to you. 101, anytime you come before the Lord, don't show up empty handed. Bring him something. What would you bring him? You bring him an offering of thanks. I, I've, I get to travel a little bit more than I have in the, in the past couple of uh, years, and I'm amazed at the lack of revelation around thanksgiving, which is praise. When you think about praise, I want you to think of thanksgiving as the highest form of praise. It's like, what's praise? I praise you, okay? What is praise? Praise the highest form, I think, of praise is thanksgiving. So, so very specific, praise is giving thanks. And so I'm amazed, I travel around, and I'm amazed at how little this activity is practiced in the church. We sing a lot, we do a lot, but I am amazed we rarely start out by giving him thanks. We'll start singing about ourselves, We'll start singing the latest song that I would say fits more into worship. But I believe the primary role of a worship leader is to put an offering of thanks into your heart to come rightly before him. Thanksgiving, it's so critical for us to understand the power of what we've received from the Lord. Because a grateful heart is a heart It's actually received something. So to the degree that you've received from him is to the degree that you'll give something back to him. When you stop giving him thanks, you become entitled, you become self-centered, you become aware of you. But thanksgiving, it opens your heart, the eyes of your heart to behold him. And to me, this is the definition of sanctification. A sanctified life, a holy life, a life set apart. It's not your conduct. It's the position of your heart that produces the fruits of holiness, but a a heart that's positioned before Him in thanksgiving, I believe, is a sanctified heart. And to the degree that you grow in in sanctification is directly connected to your degree of gratification. Gratitude, not gratification. A little different. You're like, holiness and thanksgiving? I've never heard those two connected. It's, it's 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 a believer that's maturing. It's a believer that that is aware of, of of who he was and now who he is because of what he's been given by God. And it's this it's this little hinge that keeps your your the the door of your heart shut before the Lord or open. I think about it every time we gather. I think about it every time I'm in a prayer set. I think about it every time I open up my Bible and I begin to address the Lord. I give thanks. So here's a question for you. Have you been thankful today? It's a great litmus to see where you're at spiritually. Prior to me talking about this, have you been grateful today? Did you wake up and thank God for the breath in your lungs, for the roof on your head, for the clothes on your back? Like, that's a great litmus to determine where you're at spiritually. Take a thermometer, put it in your heart. Are you gracious to the one who has been gracious to you? This thing—it's so—it's—it's it's potent when it sets into your heart. And, and 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 there's there's things that come from Thanksgiving. Like you can look at revelations throughout Scripture. Uh, Jonah, Jonah, chapter uh, two, verse nine. Look at this, Jonah two nine. You know Jonah? Jonah ran from God on a boat. He's like, "I'm the problem. Throw me off." They threw him off a whale. <laughs> Swallows him up. How long was he in the well? Three days. I don't know what those three days were like. Had to have been a tough three days. But on the third day, do you know what Jonah did? He prays to God. And in the Hebrew, this, this doesn't actually do justice. It says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. In the Hebrew, the, it's, it's, a, it's the Hebrew word for, uh, for giving a sacrifice to the Lord, but it's a sacrificial offering of thanks. And so he's in the belly of the well. He's, he's, he's most likely going to die. And at some point he turns his heart to the Lord and he says, Lord, I'm gonna offer you thanks for who you are, I'm gonna offer you thanks in the belly of the well. And do you know what that does? Look, he vows salvation is from the Lord. Look at the next verse, verse 10. Then, everyone say, Then. then. What happens? The Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah upon the dry land. Why did the fish vomit Jonah out of the dry land? Because there was a hinge. There was a hinge. I think one of the keys to our deliverance is thankfulness. Before the breakthrough, no. After the breakthrough, no, before the breakthrough. Before it happens. There's something about this act that, that, that opens up our hearts to begin to see him rightly. And as we see him rightly, we can see ourselves rightly. So in Romans 1, the door was closed. Even though they knew God, they did not honor God and they did not give him thanks. And so because the door was closed, a litany of sin has ensued upon the earth. Do you know what's amazing to me? They weren't honoring God or giving him thanks, but do you know where they do honor God and give him thanks? There's another chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters. It is in Revelation, not Romans. <laughs> Revelation chapter four. Look, look, at, look at Revelation four. This is a description. I just, I just took from, if you have those, those uh, Revelation four, it's the, the columns. Um, I took from Revelation four. I'm not gonna read all of Revelation four, but I wanna show you the theme of Revelation four. In Revelation four, it talks about the throne. It says there's one seated on the throne. Here it is, throne standing in heaven. This is all in Revelation four unto five. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 times the throne is mentioned. So what is this chapter about? It's about the throne of God. This is about where God lives. It's where he dwells. It's what he's chosen to surround himself by. But guess what I found in God's living room? I found hinges. You know what the four living creatures are doing? Look at Revelation chapter four, verse nine. It says those four living creatures, and when the living creatures, what are they giving? They're giving glory and honor and what? Thanks so what they weren't doing in Romans chapter 1 they're doing in Revelation 4 why because it's the right response to knowing him when you know him the response is honor through gratitude this is what marks heaven this is why we do it morning noon and night this is why we 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 can't we can't outgive him And there's something about giving to the Lord. As you bring something to him, do you not think you're gonna receive something from him? Oh, it's a trick. It's a trick. In the kingdom, sowing and reaping is a principle. It's been blown out of proportions, the prosperity gospel, But there's a principle there about sowing and reaping meaning if you if you throw seed out it will produce a harvest the same with thanksgiving as you begin to give him thanks and you give him something you are positioning yourself actually to receive something from him and you know what it is it's him (laughs) it's the spirit of revelation there's a shift that goes from a grateful heart from a grateful community from a grateful place of praise that he's enthroned upon, all of a sudden he gives us more of himself. More revelation of who he is, more revelation of what he's like. He begins to to breathe upon our hearts the reality of who he is in our lives. Yes, we know that. Yes, we know that. But when a heart is open and the Holy Spirit descends upon it, he may speak to you things that you thought you knew, but when he speaks it, it's as if you're hearing it the first time. And you move from your head to your heart. You, you move from a place of, of, of posturing your life before him, submitted in thanksgiving. And he becomes, it's, that's why he's enthroned upon his praise. He's enthroned upon thanks. This is why David built what he built. David was so confused. How do I host God? How do I take this box that's been neglected for 70 years? How do I put it at the center of my kingship? How do I put it at the center of Israel and Jerusalem? So you know what he found? First Chronicles chapter 15, verse one. After Uzzah died, his his political campaign first three months was not good. Man dies based on his pursuit of bringing the box back. People were upset. The box always kills someone. So David goes to the Torah and he reads, no, the Levites are actually to carry the ark. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse one, look at this. Abracadabra. <laughs> 1 Chronicles 15:1. David, David actually finds the Levites and he says, these guys are to minister to me now and forever, here it is. So he built an ark for himself, prepared a place, go to the next verse. And look, he says, no one is to carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister to him forever. So what does ministering to the Lord look like? First Chronicles 16, verse seven. First Chronicles 16, seven. It says he assigned Asaph, who was one of the chief Levites and he was assigned just to give thanks. David King, look at this. He brings the ark in, he sets the ark down, and he goes, Asaph, you're the chief of the Levites. I'm gonna pay you money to sit here and give thanks on behalf of Israel to the God of Israel. This was ministering to the Lord. This was the little hinge that opened up a big blessing for the nation of Israel. And they've been trying to get back to this place ever since. They're waiting on their Messiah that's gonna come in the lineage of David. But every time, kings would implement Davidic worship, which wasn't offerings of bulls and goats it was offerings of praise and thanksgiving through song god descended he responded he came and we live in an hour where gratitude thankfulness it is not marking a people cynicism is entitlement my voice my platform my pain and thanksgiving gets you over all of those things it gets you over you This is prescriptive. It's prescriptive for us personally, but it's also prescriptive for us collectively. How do we host God? We give him thanks. When do we give him thanks? Continually. Paul would say in 1 Thessalonians, he would say, Do you know what the will of God is for your life? It's like, What's the will of God for my life? To give thanks. In all circumstances. I haven't even gotten to our text yet. Luke 17. It's it's a great story. While Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, there was a leper colony and there were 10 men with leprosy who stood at a distance a distance and met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. What is leprosy? Le- leprosy is a physical disease. It, it, it's a slow, horrific death. Um, but spiritually, it's the condition of a heart. Uh, these guys were condemned. They were separated, isolated, they, were, they had to pronounce that they were unclean anywhere they went. These men were the embodiment of Romans chapter 1, 22 and onward. They're the embodiment of our hearts. And here you have a Messiah walking by, and they begin to cry out to him. They say, uh, they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Why would he say that? Because they would go and show themselves to the priest and the priest would pronounce a declaration over them, clean or unclean. Now, these guys had already received a declaration of unclean, which is why they were in a colony to themselves. There were Jews and Samaritans in this colony. It's amazing sometimes how our sin can connect us. So he says, go and show yourselves to the priest and says, as they were going. So they're, They're going as Jesus instructed them. And as they began to go towards the priest, their bodies were healed. Now one of them, now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, he turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. But Jesus responded and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But the nine, where did they go? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And it was from this place that Jesus looks at the one that returned and gave thanks. And he says, stand up and go, your faith has made you well. I'm assuming the other nine were Jews. We know that this one was a Samaritan and he calls him a foreigner, but he says, where are the other ones? Well, the other ones were being obedient to what you told them to do. What did you tell them to do? To go to the priest. Now, I have to liken this, that they knew as they were being healed, if they went to that priest, that priest would pronounce them clean and they would be restored to their life. There was a blessing that they received from the Lord, but they returned to the things of God. They didn't return to God. And I think sometimes we have a tendency after receiving a blessing or hearing about what God has purchased to us, we actually connect people to the things of God, but not God himself. And Thanksgiving is the pivot point that connects your heart personally to the Lord. I, I, ben Affleck just came out with a commercial. I don't know if you saw it, Ben, Matt Damon, and Tom Brady. The Duncan commercial is really funny. But I always know Ben's status from a cultural standpoint when he does something, because people start to come up to me this week. It happened three times. Hey, do you know who you look like? <laughs> always. They're like, do you know who you look like? And I, I'm always like, Chris Rock? And they're like, no, <laughs> it's not Chris Rock. Uh, I know where they're going with it, all right? We both have huge foreheads. And, and so, but I mean, it's happened since I was in my early 20s. People are like, you look just like Ben Affleck. It, it just, it, it, it's like my brother from another mother. Uh, but here's what I'm amazed is, is I'm not Ben Affleck. I may look like Ben Affleck, but when they come to me, they come to me because I represent someone that they want to know. I represent someone that they think they know. And I think we do this to Jesus all the time. We're familiar with the scaffolding that we've put around him, but Thanksgiving connects you to him. I'm not just talking about leaving a tip at the table when he's done something for you. I'm talking about cultivating a heart that is connected to the person, to the person. Because in the days ahead, you will not be sustained by having a secondary relationship with Jesus. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. You have to have a heart that is tethered to his heart. And beloved, thanksgiving is the way to that connection. It's continually, it's regularly. It's not something, I, I listen, my, my, my boy's here. Where's Truman? There he is. What's up, T? Truman. Will you stand up and just wave at everyone? All right. This is my six-year-old. Now, one of the things he loves to do is he loves to pray. Now, here's the thing about Truman. It's Truman's honest when he prays. Now, his basic prayers, what he's learned to do is he's learned to give thanks. He's learned to give things. It's something we teach our kids to do from a little age, right? And I think somehow we think we, we mature out of that, that that's just for little kids. But here's what I love about when Truman prays. You know where you're standing with him in regards to the family, because he will, he will literally open his eyes and he will look at every single person at the table. And if you're not in right standing with him, guess what, he skips over you. Thank you for mom, thank you for dad. He, he, he misses two of his siblings, and it's like, oh, we need to talk about this. <laughs> He'll thank God for everything he likes on his plate, but leave the things that he doesn't. And so here, here's the thing, is that Thanksgiving is something that we learn. He's been doing that since he, was, he, was, he could talk. It's something we learn from, from when we began speaking, but there's this maturation. There's this, there's this sanctified place of gratitude that tethers our hearts to his these men these 10 men they're they're outside the door and Jesus from the other side he says go and show yourself to the priest they receive the word and they go in faith but one turns back and that door opens up and he humbles himself and he comes before the lord and he gives thanks to the lord And the Lord calls this glorifying him. Where were the other nine that they would not turn back to glorify me? The the glorification of God came when he pivoted and he submitted his heart, opened the door and was connected to him, this foreigner. And I think some of us need to become unfamiliar with a God that we don't fully know. What I mean by that is I think we've been way too familiar with the things of God without being connected to him. Thanksgiving knocks that familiarity off. It's like, it's like I don't know if you ever had a bike, but you gotta kickstart that bike, you know? And you're like, oh man, I used to have a bike, it never worked. I would sit out there for like 30 minutes, like, and it just never started. But sometimes our heart is that way. It's just that way. It's crusty. It's, 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 it's worn down. And what Thanksgiving does is it's that kickstart for our heart. And, and it can go from just a discipline and words to all of a sudden when it sets in, you feel the engine of your heart. <sighs> oh, there he is. I've sat on this stage with teams and we have given thanks for an hour and 20 minutes at times. We don't move on. We don't move on, we don't move on, we don't move on, and then a spirit of wisdom and revelation falls on the team and we enter into worship. And we enter into a 40 minute, it could be 20 minute flow. Sometimes it happens in five minutes, sometimes it it, it takes the entire two hours. But we're bringing something to the Lord to connect with him intimately, to connect to his heart. Thanksgiving is the way to connect your heart to his. Oh, this is good. Go to Philippians chapter four. Verse six. This is a scripture about anxiety. I don't know if you struggle with anxiety, but I'm going to give you a key to overcome anxiety. What is anxiety? Anxiety is fear. you going to shut the door? Oh, you can't see me. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lesson in there somewhere. <laughs> see, when you give thanks, it'll blind you to other things, you know what I'm saying? Um... um so let's think about anxiety for a second. Anxiety is anxiety is, is rooted in fear. What is fear? Fear is a lack of control. What is fear? Fear is the opposite of faith. It's predicting an outcome. Ultimately, the spirit of death. It's, 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 it's predicting something that will happen that's bad, something that could go wrong. <clears throat> And so Paul, in this text, he's gonna talk about prayer. And he's gonna talk about in your anxiety or things that might make you anxious. He's saying, don't be anxious in anything. Don't be anxious in anything, but in everything. So don't be anxious in anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So he's talking about you bringing things that would make you anxious. You bringing things to the Lord that are heavy on your heart. The Lord cares for you and he wants you to come to him. Now another, in, in Luke chapter 11, nine and 10, Jesus talking about prayers, we're talking about prayer. He says, if you, if you ask, you will what? Receive. If you knock, what? The doors. So you have, you, have, you, have a, you, have, you have a situation that's, it's just getting in your soul, the, 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 the traffic internally. It's just, it's just running across, running across. It's a relationship, it's a need, it's a finance, whatever it is, just running across, running across. And it's starting to cause fear. It's starting to just take bandwidth. And, and Jesus says, listen, through prayer and supplication, you knock and you bring those things to me. So you come to the door. I got something going on, Lord. I'm going to bring it to you. I'm knocking on the door as you said to knock. But Paul throws a preposition in this verse. He says, in your prayer and in your supplication, mix in Thanksgiving. Mix in thanksgiving. In your prayer, in your need, in the thing that's attempting to overshadow your life, here's what you need to do. You need to mix in this ingredient that is thanksgiving because it's gonna do something to your heart. It's the hinge. What does the hinge do? It opens the door. In your what? Anything or whatever. In your what? The things that's making you anxious, the thing that's starting to dominate you, the thing that's you know blow by blow. You're bringing this, and with thanksgiving, this door opens up. And look what happens in the next verse. As your requests are known to God, and the peace of God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So in your anything, in your whatever, as you knock on the door, and with thanksgiving, the hinge opens up. Do you know what you receive from him first and foremost? Is Peace. Peace. Not not an answer to that prayer. You receive peace. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. And he comes to you and he gives you what only you can receive from him. And you know what peace peace becomes? It, It becomes a wall. It becomes a guard. It becomes something that he encircles your mind and your heart with. It's like a watchman standing on your thoughts. It's a watchman standing on your emotions. It's a watchman standing in your will. Your soul is now surrounded by the peace of God that surpasses your reasoning. It surpasses your calculating. He gives you himself so that you can be at rest in your whatever, in the thing that may not change, but you know the one that is unchanging is giving you something that changes everything and it's the peace of God. Oh, this is, do you know what the gates are in heaven? Do you know what the gates are in heaven? Revelation 21, 21. The streets are made of what? Gold. That's pretty, that's pretty legit. The streets are gold, but you know what the gates are? They're pearls. I don't know how that's going to work. Those are some big pearls, right? I mean, it says the gates are pearls. Isaiah 60 tells us that it's the gates of praise. What are gates? Gates are entry points. What are gates? They're perimeter. They're perimeters that say, hey, you're moving from one region to another. You're moving from public land to private land. You're, you're, you're moving into someone else's domain. That's what gates represent, And so, in heaven, the gates are made of pearls. Now, do you know how pearls are formed? Pressure. Stress. What's my point? Is the gates, we enter the gates with thanksgiving. The gates of praise. Here's my point, is in your stress in the pressure points of life, in the things attempting to make you anxious, if you can give thanks in that rub, you're moving from one domain to another. You're moving from one realm to another. You have access. Heaven, heaven's password is Jesus, but if there was like a, a secondary password into heaven, it would be thank you. <laughs> What's the code to get into heaven? Thank you. The Bible says, Lift up your heads, you ancient gates. Your heart's a gate. Your eyes are a gate. Your ears are a gate. When we Put thanksgiving before that gate, I believe we receive and are sustained by things that only God can give us. The, the core word for thanksgiving, it's eucharisto in the Greek. You know what, the, 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 the word eucharisto is made, like the, the, the root word is charis, which is grace. So when you're giving thanks, you're giving thanks for the grace of that he's bestowed upon your life. And I actually think it positions us to receive grace because we need ongoing supplements of his grace. You can't face those things outside of his grace. And guess what? You've been saved by that grace. Therefore, you have a lot to be thankful for. Sure, up,. papa. Even the night when Jesus was betrayed, he, he sets a table in the presence of his enemies. And, you know, I wish I had communion on the other side of this door. Just imagine there's communion on the other side of this door. But he says, in the presence of your enemies, I will what? Prepare a table for you. But in, in more liturgical communities like the, the Catholic Church or the Anglican Church, they call it taking the Eucharist. They call it taking the Eucharist. The Lord's Supper is taking the Eucharist. What does that mean? It's the table of thanksgiving. It's the table of offering thanks for what He has provided. So to get, I mean, you can you can drive through, you can drive through, make your order. You know, I think sometimes we can do that because it becomes very uh, religion rests upon, you know, form, but sometimes it lacks substance. And so I think sometimes. Communion, we take it every week and it can become kind of a religious box that we take, okay, thank you for the blood, thank you for the body. But here's what I know is that, is that when you posture your heart before those elements in true thanksgiving for what's on that table, it opens up the door. And on the other side is Jesus actually waiting for you to feed you his body and to give you the cup of his blood. This is, this is what we need. I, there's something so powerful about thanksgiving and its ability to, to position us to receive from the Lord exactly what we need. Uh, I believe the devil hates grateful hearts. I, I believe demonic principalities and demonic assignments flee from a grateful heart. Even, even Paul would tell people, hey, if, if you're about to eat food that's been offered to idols, meaning it's, it's, been, it's been cursed, and your neighbor offers it to you. If you give thanks, it'll break that curse off. Receive it with thanksgiving. What is that? I don't know. It's the power of thanksgiving, it disarms hell. Ingratitude marks hell. Every good and perfect gift comes from your Father, heavenly lights. We give thanks. We give thanks. We give thanks. This, this is the core of our DNA as a body. If people get up here and they start singing about themselves right out of the gates, they're going to get a, a letter from Michael. Paul, Paul would write letters. Occasionally, Michael will write an email. We did not start out giving the Lord an offering. That is what we do. Why? Because we're leading his body to him. Why? Because we want to get your eyes off yourself. Why? Because some of you drug your kids here, you waited in line, you're happy to be sitting, and you're aware of all of those things that have surrounded you. But as soon as a song hits that says, we did it last night, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It was awesome. (laughs) Pray, and it went from like, and the people are like, and it was a Saturday night, which Saturday night is getting lively. But, but before we knew it, it was like, oh, we pray. I mean, it, it just, the atmosphere shifted because people were actually believing in what they were saying and the Lord was responding. And a freedom hit the room. It's really a connection to the lordship of the spirit. The Holy Spirit is attracted to a grateful heart. And then when he's enthroned or the spirit of the Lord is present, guess what? There's freedom. I'll go to Acts 16 because I have some time. Oh, sorry guys. Look at this, this 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 revelation is, it hits. Look at this, Acts 16, verse 22. The crowd rose up together against them, that's Paul and Silas. The chief magistrates tore their robes and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. How many of you have ever been beaten with rods? Some of you are like, I'm still getting free to that. It was a... Weird childhood. Um, They're beaten with rods. They're persecuted. This is a bad day. Not only that, they struck them with many blows. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So these guys are bleeding They're bruised, probably tired and hungry. They're thrown into the inner part of the prison and their feet are locked up. I would probably fall asleep. But these boys at midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas, they were praying and singing hymns of praise, which I'm assuming included thanksgiving. They began singing and praising God. And listen to this, this is such an interesting detail. And the prisoners were listening to them. So can you imagine if you're one of the prisoners, you've been in there months, maybe years, and these two newbies show up and it's time to sleep. And all of a sudden you start hearing them going, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. I bet they were snapping, maybe a little clapping. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. So, so they're asleep. And they're like, what is that? Praise who? Shut up. Why are you guys singing? It's the middle of the night. Maybe they all of a sudden went into, there is power. In the name of Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every, to break every, to break, to break every what? You're listening to that. Every what? They start realizing, what? Do you know what I think hit the, the prison cell because of two Born again, positioned rightly, sons of God, weren't looking at their circumstances, weren't looking at their day, but they could begin to fix their eyes on the Lord and say, Lord, even in this, I'm gonna enthrone you. Even in this, I'm gonna praise you. Even in this, I'm gonna give you thanks. Faith starts to fill that prison. Verse 26, and suddenly. Now, I know this is an and suddenly that heaven responded, but it wasn't an uh, and suddenly for Paul and Silas because they had cultivated a heart. They had cultivated a heart posture before the Lord. And in this act, and suddenly, there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. Oh, see this spiritually. What happens when we praise? Prison foundations shake, and immediately all the doors, not just Paul and Silas's doors, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. Everyone's chains were unfastened. Unfastened, why? Because two men began enthroning the Lord through thanksgiving. A spiritual door opened and physical prisons, those in jail, those in bondage, found freedom. I think this is the power of a worshiping community. I think this is the power of people that come into an atmosphere confused about God, unaware of who he is, Although they may know him to an extent, but they've never seen people honor him and give him thanks. But when they do, things start shaking. Through what? Praise. Through what? Thanksgiving. Through what? The Lord being enthroned upon those hearts. They all got freed. they all got free. See, it, it, once this starts happening, it just it's continually, without ceasing. Things just going to keep opening and keep opening, keep opening, keep opening, keep opening, keep opening. It's the little hinge that opens up a big door. It's a little revelation that has significant impact upon you. And I know a lot of worship leaders, they listen to our, our podcasts and people across the body of Christ. And I just believe that God is looking for communities that will bring their five loaves and two fishes and just give thanks for what they have. They'll just give thanks. Lord, thank you. Thank you for my five loaves. Thank you for my two fishes. Thank you, Lord, that you see what I have and you have the ability to multiply it and feed the masses. I love that account in John chapter six. It says in verse, verse 11, it says that 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 you know, he took what, he, what they had and he broke it and he gave thanks to the Lord. But it's verse 23, John 6, 23, watch this. this is, I've shared this before, but it, it hits every time. This is the next day after Jesus walked on the water. It was a full day for him, both playing bread, <laughs> walking on water. So these boats that were where the, the breaking of the fish and bread were, these boats come to find him. But look at how heaven records the day before. Heaven records it. There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord multiplied it. After the Lord supernaturally fed the masses. That's not what it says because the miracle from heaven's standpoint wasn't the multiplication of provision. The miracle from heaven's standpoint is in the midst of lack that was a grateful heart. This is in the yearbook of heaven. That's the day and how it was captured. That was the day Jesus was grateful. No, no, no. That was the day all those people got fed. No, no, no. no. From our perspective, it was the day where someone brought what they had and used that little hinge to open up the door and got flooded a field with provision. I don't know about you, but I've been finding myself in this place for our new building. We still need four million bucks. And I'm like, Lord, I give you thanks. We've given you our five loaves, we've given you our two fishes, we are in step with your will. When I look back, I can't change anything and I wouldn't. But you've set us up for this miracle and I give you thanks that you're gonna multiply provision and get us into this building. Some of you have wayward sons and daughters and you've been contending for the Lord and a lot of your prayers are from your soul. It's just you, you've you've been under condemnation, you've been under shame, You've blamed yourself, you're blaming them, but I feel like the Lord wants to break all that off by you just giving thanks, that he's the God that goes after the one. He leaves the 99. And I feel like through thanksgiving, some of you are gonna wage war over kids that have been wayward. Some of you that are single and you're lonely, you're gonna start giving thanks, that even though you feel alone, he's gonna give you comfort, and he sees your heart's desire, and you can thank him in advance before Mr. Right shows up. Some single dude's like, yeah, <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> the Lord saw that, that little hinge opened. Um, what's my point this morning? My point is we need, to, we need to revisit this and steward this revelation collectively, steward it individually, steward a heart of thanks before Jesus. We're gonna do that by going to the table. So if you have your communion supplies you guys got some praise the lord oh my soul it's a good song praise the lord oh my soul some of you already took this and you can take it again paul says for as often as you eat this bread How often can you take it? As often as you want. You can double dip. So I want you to close your eyes just for a second. What is surrounding you today? What is causing you anxiety? What is causing you fear? What is causing you? I just want you to do an inventory of your heart, do an inventory of your relationships, do an inventory of your soul. What emotions are present? And you're gonna submit your soul right now, you're gonna submit your mind, your will, and your emotions to the table of the Lord. I don't think it's wrong, to be honest with the Lord from the get-go, but you need then to pivot into the place, place of thanksgiving. And just use that password that we talked about and tell the Lord, thank you. Tell him, thank you. I'm, I just wanna, I wanna declare one word over you. Thank you for your faithfulness. I want, you to, I want you to truly thank him for his faithfulness. You're like, it doesn't seem like he's been faithful. You're breathing. You're breathing. And the Psalms tell us he's an ever-present help in our time of need. And he sees you. And he sees your efforts to come to Upper Room today. He sees, he saw you singing those songs earlier. He sees you. And his ear is bent to you. His ear, his heart is, is near you. As you draw near to him, he draws near to you. But here's what you're gonna say. You're gonna say, thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you that I will see and taste the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because you have you have proven your love for me you have proven your love for me and it's represented by what we're holding your broken body and your shed blood and so we say thank you Jesus and i want you to bring that anxious thing thank you lord that you see this relationship this need thank you Jesus just itemize it thank you Jesus for your broken body. Thank you for the nails that went into your hands and your feet. Thank you for the 39 lashes, Lord. Those 39 lashes were for your healing. If you need healing, physical healing, emotional healing, relational healing, I want you to say thank you, Jesus, in advance for this healing and receive his body broken for you right now in the name of Jesus. The bread tastes better when the doors open. You're like, no, it still tastes like styrofoam. But your heart needs that. This is true food true drink so Jesus thank you for shedding your blood seven different places out of your body came blood and was all for redemptive purposes primary one Lord was forgiveness of sin and the wages of sin is death but in this blood Lord we find life because there's forgiveness for those sins so we subject ourselves and just thank him for forgiveness Thank him for forgiveness. Thank him that condemnation and shame and guilt have no place in your life because of this cup. You're no longer condemned. You no longer have to live in shame. You no longer have to live in hiding. You no longer have to live covered up. The Lord says, I want you to come bare before me. I've made a way. And just say thank you to the Lord for that also see generational curses things we've inherited from our forefathers your blood breaks those in jesus name your blood breaks those those tendencies those inclinations those genetic fears we just plead your blood lord over those things and we give you thanks that those things are broken today in jesus name receive the blood of jesus feel like there's someone in the room and you're not certain if you're born again. You're not certain if you're gonna live with Jesus eternally. It's one of the fears that you have. And, and I, I feel an invitation for, I don't know if it's a handful of people, but today's the day to get right with Jesus. Today's the day. The, the, that story in Acts 16, you're in one of those prison cells. How do you know if you're in prison? You know. How do you know if you're in prison? You can't get yourself out of what you're in. You can't break cycles, you can't break sin patterns. Hey, can we just not move just for a second? I love y'all, just for a second. Sorry. This is really important. This is a really holy moment because I feel that some of you need to come out of your prison. You need to come out. You know if you're in prison. You know if you're in bondage. You know if there's habitual sins and cycles there's double lifestyles. I feel the Lord's mercies for you right now. And I feel like it's time to come out, to come out of that prison and take a step. And so I'm gonna ask you to do something bold. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet by you saying, I'm coming out of that place. of boy. <laughs> Hang on. <clears throat> Hang on just a second. I know, my bug. stay, Stay standing, stay standing. Hold on. Hold on. I feel like there's a couple more. I really do. Thank you, bud. Hang on. We'll cheer for everyone in a second. But I just feel it's such a holy, holy moment. Thank you, guys. I feel it's a holy, holy moment. I feel the Lord sticking. He's reaching into that prison cell. The door's been opened. And he's saying, will you follow me? Will you follow me? Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of freedom. Is, I feel there's one more. I just won't let the Lord, won't let me move forward. There you go. It's a statement of faith. You're like, why do I have to stand up? It's a statement of faith. It's a statement of you going. I'm 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 walking out today. I'm walking out. I'm free today. Bless you, brother. Jesus. Jesus. Hey, y'all come. Will y'all come come down here? Ministry team, would y'all come up? Can y'all come forward before we get up and move? Just if you just stood up, come up. We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna get you baptized in the Holy Ghost. Come on, this is, a, this is like, this is the day. This is, this is you turning back. This is you coming back to him. Way to go, guys. Way to go, way to go, way to go. Now we can cheer. Can we cheer for these guys? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right, stand to your feet if you would. Um, <clears throat> these guys are gonna pray for y'all. Will y'all pray? Just y'all pray for these guys. And then if you need prayer any way, shape, or form, Um, These guys can pray for you, but thanks for coming to the upper room. Hey, let's take this revelation and walk it out practically this week. If you have time in your schedule, come to a prayer set. They happen from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. throughout the week. Come to prayer, come and minister to the Lord. Let's build an offering of thanksgiving. I love you, God bless you. Have a great afternoon.